Hari Om. Today I am going to speak on chapter 6 of Bhagavad Gita. And uh, yesterday it was chapter 5. The chapter 6 is a continuation of that chapter 5. In chapter 6, chapter 5, end of chapter 5, Sri Krishna has started talking about uh, the path of meditation, similar to the path of Ashtanga Yoga. See, Bhagavad Gita text is much before Patanjali, is much before Ashtanga Yoga. But it has described a very similar path that started in chapter 5 end and the whole chapter 6 is about that path, Dhyana Yoga. So let's discuss it. Shri Krishna is telling Arjuna that if you want to evolve yourself and if you want to understand the positive state of your mind or reach that state of absolute peace, the positive experience where you're witnessing everything in a balanced way, your karmas are balanced, they are directed towards Atma, the unity and equality and divinity concept. When you're walking on that path, how your mind should be. So this subject of chapter 6 talks a lot about state of mind. A very interesting verse in chapter 6, which is very relevant to our life today also. It says, Uddharet Atmana Atmanam Na Atmanam Avasadayet Atmaiva Yatmano Bandhur Atmaiva Ripuratmanaha So he says that you can only help yourself. There is no one else who can help yourself walk on this path of evolution. Unfortunately, we act as if we are our own enemies. Instead, we should be acting as we are our brothers or friends. To explain this, in the next verse, he says that who is when you become your friend and when you become your enemy. And he is saying that if you have absolute control and friendship with your mind, that's when you are helping yourself. But if you have no control over your mind, then you are your enemy. Let's apply this situation in our day-to-day -day life. Because of the lot of because of lot of developments in the scientific field, also because of the collective wisdom that has come to us from our ancestors. In today's world, most of us understand what is right for me. The problem is, I can't do it. I know exercise is good for me. I don't need any more reading of researches. But how many of us really go for exercise every day? Someone asked a Prime Minister of England, Churchill, he was a little big man. They asked him, do you think of exercise? He was a very smart guy. And he answered in an even more funny way. He said, yes, I do think about exercise every day. But the guy said, then what happens? Because it seems you don't do it. He says, I have 
thought of exercise every day, but when the thought comes to me, I pull my blanket over my head tightly and I lay there still till the thought goes away. <laughs> this, is, this is a bigger problem that I know what is right for me, but I don't do it. Everyone who smokes can read. They know what's written there. Smoking is injurious to health. Smoking causes cancer. Smoking causes heart diseases. Smoking causes hypertension. Smoking causes diabetes. Everyone can read it. No one stops it. The person who smokes doesn't stop it. So his mind is controlling. Something is controlling his mind and he's losing his control. That's when he becomes his enemy. There's some funny things that have come into light. Interesting thing is uh, people who exercise, if you ask them how much do you exercise, you often tell more than what you actually do. It's a tendency. And then you ask a person how much do you eat, they often tell less than what they eat. So there's some, some kind of gap somewhere where we are behaving as if we are our enemies. This is about desires controlling your mind. But there is other side of ego that also controls our mind. And that's when you lose control over mind. For example, I know I shouldn't be saying this to the person, but I can't control. I know I shouldn't be getting angry at someone but I can't control. I know I should not be cheating someone, but I do that. These are bigger problems that make us our own enemies. And how does it reflect in our day-to-day -day life? This enmity that we have developed inside of us for ourselves is hurting us every moment. When my friends, my friend comes to me and says, oh, I made a mistake and then because of my mistake, I lost these things. Then I tell him, oh, don't worry. It's okay. You can get it back. Or you will, next time you'll be much better. Make a resolve and fight it out. That's friend's role you're fulfilling. Very good. Good job. Fantastic. But when the same failure you experience, what do you say to yourself? You say you are worthless. You don't deserve it. You're not good enough. Self-defeating ideas. This is where you're becoming your enemy. So Sri Krishna in chapter 6 is very clearly telling Arjuna that if you control your mind, if the mind is your friend, you will evolve. But if you create a division because the sensory organs and ego is controlling you, your mind, then you will be your enemy. And it's a significant idea of being a friend and helping yourself or not being a friend and defeating yourself. Once you achieve this, then you reach the higher points of your evolution. But in chapter 6, Sri Krishna is giving the path of 
Ashtanga Yoga. Though he has given these teachings before Ashtanga Yoga. So what does he say? He is thinking about you going into solitude, Ekanta, away from the society, all alone, no one else around you. Shuchau deshe pratishthapya, sthiram asanam atmana, sthira asanam, so he is telling mastery of asanas, stable asana, a proper place for sitting, a proper place for meditation, a proper place where you will be unaffected by the external factors and then you sit, then you establish yourself, then you start meditating by concentrating in Adnya Chakra, he is saying in chapter 6. Of course, this is just an example. He is not giving step by step path, but he is more of giving like an example, like this is one type of way that you can practice and it will still take you to that Parabrahma or Atma level of understanding. And then he is saying that while you follow this path, you shouldn't go to extremes. You probably heard that Buddha recommended middle path, not one extreme, not other extreme. Buddha recommended it much later. Bhagavad Gita is before Buddha. Sri Krishna has given the same path. And he says that if you eat too much, you will never be able to achieve this yoga. If you don't eat at all, you will never be able to achieve it. If you sleep too much, you will never be able to achieve it. If you don't sleep at all, you will never be able to achieve it. And to explain this further, he has given a very important verse, which is maybe something that you can remember as a highlight of chapter 6. We all talk in today's world that yoga is lifestyle. Yoga is a lifestyle. Where does this come from? It comes from this chapter 6, this verse, Yukta Hara Viharasya, Yukta Cheshtasya Karmasu, Yukta Sopnava Bodhasya, Yoga Bhavati Dukkaha. Yukta Hara, disciplined, proper, proportionate, Ahar. Ahar is input to your sensory organs. Your eyes, Put restriction, discipline, what to see. If every day I keep watching the news of events that trigger anxiety in me, at the end of the day, I will have anxiety. If every day, everywhere, I keep reading these advertisements, this mobile phone is fantastic, this mobile phone is really good, then I will have a desire to get that mobile phone. If I keep hearing that this is dangerous, this is dangerous, this is dangerous, this is dangerous. I am going to be scared of that thing. What I hear, what I see, if there is no discipline, then it drags our sensory organs. And the sensory organs drive our mind crazy. And we can see that. There are some studies which say that people who go on the mobile phone and in internet for more than two hours, social media especially, have more anxiety more stress, not because they go on the social media, but it's more about what they read there. People have been reading a lot all through the history of mankind. So reading something cannot be, should not be a problem. The question is what you read. The question is what you hear. The question is what you talk. The question is, what do you eat? 
So your eyes, your nose, your ears, your skin, your tongue for eating needs to have discipline. Yukta hara, first part of yoga lifestyle. People have this funny idea. The moment you say yoga lifestyle, people think that they need to go to beach. Then they need to eat this vegetarian fruits, uh, vegetarian food with fruits and vegetables. And then they need to do this yoga on the beach. And then they need to sit and meditate. No, 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 no. This is not a yoga lifestyle. Yoga lifestyle is what Sri Krishna is saying. A disciplined sensory organs, first aspect. Second aspect of yoga lifestyle, Yukta Vihara. Vihara is routine. Get up before sunrise, right, right time every day, the same time. Ah, today I am a little lazy, so I'll wake up at 7. Day after is weekly off, so I'll wake up at 10. Ah, the other day I am feeling fresh, I'll wake up at 6. No. Same time, every day. Get up on the same time, have the shower on the same time, at the same time, eat at the same time, rest at the same time, exercise at the same time. Our body, every organ in our body has a rhythm. Our heart has a rhythm. Our sleep has a rhythm. People have sleep problems, insomnia. One of the, one of the recommendations of the medical professionals for regular sleep is sleep at the right time, at the same time every day. The body has a clock, biological clock, the circadian rhythm. The hormones have a rhythm. The cortisol is high between morning 7 to 9, that's when you feel more energy. That's the time of exercise. These days people are saying, oh, I'm exercising at night, 12 o'clock. The natural rhythm of cortisol, the cortisol is at lowest, is at its lowest at 12 o'clock in the night. Or you can't do exercise at 12 o'clock. So you have to have a daily routine fixed in line with the mother nature. Many gyms these days advertise 24 hour open. Medical studies go against it. Check it out. There are studies which say that people who have very disciplined lifestyle, they do everything at the right time and everything consistent, they live longer. Yukta Cheshtasya Karma Su, the next third part, the karmas that you do also need to be balanced and disciplined. You have to take reference of the Madhya Marga, the middle path. Not too much physical intensive, not too much mental intensive, balanced. Emotions also, not too much here, there, but more of balance. The next part is very important. Yukta Swapnava Bodhasya, the sleep and the time that you are awake, the sleep and the quality and the quantity of sleep. Sri Krishna has given so much more importance to sleep. In today's world, because our routines are not fixed, our mind is continuously having this new information, there is anxiety, there is stress, that is affecting our sleep patterns. The timings of the sleep affecting our sleep patterns. The food that we eat affecting our sleep patterns. The place where we sleep, the outside surroundings, the bright lights, the loud noise affecting our sleep. Why it's so important? It is important because 
Sleep is the one that recovers all of the lost energy in the day. But if my sleep is affected, then whatever energy I have spent today, my body and my mind will not be able to recover all of that. If I can't recover all of that, tomorrow I will have some less energy. But there is more demand, so I'll push myself. That's when I get more stressed. Actually, yoga has given so much importance to sleep. If your sleep is very good, you will have no health problems. And once you achieve this healthy lifestyle, Sri Krishna says, Yoga Bhavati Dukkha, the yoga will become the tool to end all your sufferings. Dukkha, Dukkha, suffering, Ha is destruction of suffering. So, yoga will destroy the sufferings. And then what will happen? Then your mind will spontaneously become focused and concentrated and relaxed and peaceful. And in that state of peaceful mind, you can easily achieve oneness with the Paramatma Tattva, that is Samadhi state. That is that Atma Tattva understanding that we have been talking about. Now, Arjuna has understood this. So, he is bringing some more questions. He says, Shri Krishna, I understood that it's very important for me to manage the mind. But he said, Chanchalam hi mana Krishna. Pramathi palav balavadrudham. So, he says, this mind is so fickle. It's not fixed. It cannot be steady. It's just moving everywhere. I'm having crazy thoughts every moment here, there, 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 there. The yogic texts have called the mind as monkey mind. Like monkey is not steady, the mind is all over. He's asking, it's so difficult, so how to do it? And this is where Sri Krishna says, two secrets, how to manage this mind. And these two secrets, these two words are exactly same in Ashtanga Yoga. Abhyasa and Vairagya. These are the two words which have come in Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. What is Abhyasa? Abhyasa is repetitive efforts, making an effort again and again, again and again, again and again. Oh, I can't control my thought. Make an effort. Oh, I failed. Try it again. Again I failed. No problem. Try it again. Again I failed. Try it again. The people who are successful, they don't become successful just by chance. They become successful because of repetitive effort. The more efforts you make, the stronger your brain becomes. There are certain neural networks that are formed. Like there is a negative habit and you want to break that habit and you make again and again effort, again and again, again and again, again and again. Every time you make an effort, you are moving slightly closer to your object, objective, your purpose. Abhyasa is extremely important. And second is Vairagya. Vairagya is non-attachment. Non-attachment to the sensory desires as straight as it can get. This subject of Vairagya is discussed in great details by Sri Krishna in chapter 3, chapter 4. So, I have spoken about it. So, if you have non-attachment and if you have ability to make repetitive efforts, you can make your mind a yogi mind and not a monkey mind. 
you have the ability to make that mind a yogi mind. So Arjuna is having more question. He says, okay, I understand. You say make repetitive effort. But these repetitions, how many years I may need to do it? I don't know. What if someone is making an effort? He's walking very seriously on the path of yoga, but then he, he's, de he's dead. What happens to him in next life? Does he have to start right from the beginning? Here, Sri Krishna interestingly talks about the rebirth. Of course, he is in uh, his endorsed rebirth concept in the second chapter itself when he talked about Atma. But here he is giving more ideas to Arjuna. And he says, look, every one of us is walking on this path of yoga. But if you die in this life, next life when you are born, you start from where you left in last life. You don't have to start right from the beginning. That should be a relaxing, comforting news for all of us. But let me ask you guys. I can see some of you, most of you in 20s, few of you in 30s. You come from different cultures, guys. You're not from India. You don't have any cultural background when you're born. No cultural background of yoga. Why are you interested in yoga? And why are you showing interest in listening to these philosophies? Ask yourself again. The answer you will get is what Sri Krishna has given. You already have achieved certain level of yoga practices. And that's how in this life, you're starting from where you left behind in the last life. And it is true for everyone who is practicing this path, but just not path of yoga. Different people practice different paths, which are again a positive, evolving practices in the world. So if they have practiced something in the past life, in this life, they will continue from there on. So this thing doesn't only apply for path of yoga, but it applies for everything. Because Sri Krishna is saying this as a universal truth. He's not just saying about yoga that is practiced in India. Unfortunately, what is yoga is even people who are practicing, most of the people who are practicing today don't know. So this is the idea of yoga. But then this can be worded in different ways. So apply it universally without any discrimination. And then I'm coming to the end of chapter 6. There's one last interesting verse in chapter 6, which says, Tapasvibhyo adhiko yogi, jnanibhyopi matodhikaha, karmibhyashchadhiko yogi, tasmad yogi bhavarjuna. He says to Arjuna, the path of yoga that I have discussed just now, that this disciplined lifestyle, trying to control your mind, trying to fix your mind on the Paramatma Tattva, the divine dimension, trying to achieve samadhi, Samadhi is the balanced state of wisdom that we have discussed, that Atma direction. He says that is the best as compared to all other paths. Tapasvi bhyo adhiko yogi. Tapasvi, some people do a lot of austerities. And they are proud of that. And they achieve great things with their commitment. That is good. 
but yogi is still higher. Yogi means the one who has balanced attitude and wisdom and who is always in the Paramatma, in union with the Paramatma, the divine dimension, balanced attitude idea. Jnani bhyopi matodhika, jnani, the people with wisdom, the philosopher, the scientists, the scholars, all of them, that's a good path. But yogi is still better than that. Karmibhya shadiko yogi, karmibhya, some people who keep certain objective in front of them and work very hard to achieve that objective. That is good, but yogi is still better than that. And that's why he says to Arjuna that, hey Arjun, you become yogi. Don't just become karmibhya, that is keep the idea of war and because there is war, I have objective to win the war and establish good values. That's why I am fighting the war. Don't do that. Jnanibhya, what is better and what is good? I am thinking and I am contemplating and then I will do it. That's good, but that's not your objective. Tapasvi, austerities, control your sensory organs, everything, very strict, disciplined, everything. That's good, but don't limit it. Don't limit yourself to these levels. Move on and become a yogi. So this is a message. When you become a yogi, all your mind, your sensory organs, your intellect is under the influence of Atma. That is under the command of this divine consciousness. That develops samabhav, the, the respect for every life. That takes you to that absolute peace within, that absolute positive experience of the creation. I am going to stop here with the chapter 6. Hari Om.